As you can see, we the topic tonight is the challenge. Now remember, our um, challenges to Christians. Thank you, Jason. Challenges to Christians is our theme and our topic. So, challenge to rise above, what is it? I'm glad y'all can say that. I've been trying to say that all week in practice. Mediocrity. Mediocrity. And there's another one down through here, mediocrity. Mediocrity. I can't say it. I've been trying all week. Um, anyway, you know, uh, old Jerry Clower used to tell stories about a guy who couldn't couldn't get it out. <laughs> I laugh. Uh, but anyway, challenge to rise above mediocrity. I have to slow down. What is mediocrity? Lukewarmness. What, so-so, uh, what root word do you think that comes out of? <clears throat> what? Mediocre. Medium. Kind of small, medium, the what? Satisfied, satiation. Um, comes with that uh, as well. Daughter of a coal miner. You see their illustration. Daughter of a coal miner. And I'm going to tell you, if you've never been in the coal mining country, anybody ever been in coal mining country? I have. I had a chance to go down into the mines. Um, I didn't take it. Amanda's roommate lives in Inez, Kentucky, and that is the prime center heart of coal mining country in the middle of nowhere. Well, uh, old Wolfie, wasn't it Wolfie? What is his name? He's going to take us down into the mine. But my kids wanted to go, and he, they couldn't go, so I didn't go. I should have went on, but I didn't. But Micah, he wanted to go down in the earth. He wanted, he wanted to ride that little car. Well, you ride a big elevator down, and you get on a car that's not much higher than them benches right there. And the only reason I know this is the old boy brought a video over, which he ain't supposed to be videoing in there, but he did, of what goes on down there. Ride this big old elevator down, way down, mile down, a mile or more, down in the earth. Get in a little cart, lay flat, got your light on, and it, the hole between the bottom and the top is just enough for that cart to go through, pretty much. Maybe six foot, or a little, maybe a little more. And they ride that cart through there. And they're battery operated, and, and they ride that cart through there and go to wherever they're working, and they show me the machinery, how they dig all that out, and how they send it out of there, and. Uh, the whole nine yards, just a, a and, and I'm going to tell you, watching them down there that night, and I was talking to this old boy, hard work. Hard work. Now, a lot of it's been modernized nowadays. Um, but those guys, real dangerous, real dangerous work. But the daughter of a coal miner had a hard life. Actually, where I went to see this young lady, Amanda's uh, roommate, is the home, just right up the road, is the hometown of 
Loretta Lynn, is that right? Loretta Lynn, the cabin she was born in, in Butcher Holler. So I got to see that house and got to meet her brother, I guess it was, that showed us through the house. Um, and showed us where the old store used to be that they would have to trade the, the script out for. They, they had to give them, they didn't give them real money. It was script that you could only spend at that coal mining store. And if some of it was worth whatever, you know, for them to buy their needs to live. So anyway, to go on, just to show you how hard it was. Probably a lot of those young people, young girls and boys, didn't have very a good chance at life. Uh, many of them in that country still just do coal mining. That's all they ever know. Um, but the story is, this young lady who was the daughter of this coal miner conceived in her mind that she was going to go to college. She was going to beat it. No one else in her family had ever done so. She studied hard and finished high school and graduated and with honors, actually. She received scholarships and, uh, and worked and received degrees uh, from, from college. Then she took a special course in insurance. She asked for a job. She was refused. Because at that time, it was early on, and women really didn't do that kind of job. And they claimed no experience. She asked again and again and again and again. Finally, and I guess just aggravating them and in desperation, the, young, the, the man who owned the insurance company at that time gave her a job. 25 years later, she was begrudgingly honored as an outstanding insurance producer in the country. Her, like a lot of probably you and other people we know, refused to live in the valley of what we could say, we call it the valley of um, despair and medi mediocrity. Mediocrity, I guess how you say that. Um, she would not take defeat. She later on, this young lady that we're talking about's name was Mary Crow. You can go look it up. She owned the insurance, I think, eventually, and uh, I read her obituary this actually, actually this afternoon. But she refused to live in mediocrity. She wanted to rise above her circumstances. She wanted to rise above being medium. Now that's in the world of work and you know those types of things. But the questions: Why does someone like this succeed well? Why doesn't everyone want to do what she did? A large part, again, is, is that mediocrity. Most people really are content to live 
a mediocre life. Most people are. I know some boys back home. Well, Jerry Clower, you go back to Jerry Clower. He said, Marcel Ledbetter, he was okay with whatever his pupwood truck would make him. He didn't, want, he didn't want to get rich. He didn't want to be no more than what he could haul, haul, haul. You know what pupwood is, right? All right, being from Alabama, we live by the, the uh, paper mill. Pupwood is the, is the uh, pine trees they cut, and they go grind it up and make paper out of it. You get you a pupwood truck, and you can make a lot of money <laughs> all in pupwood. Um, second grade trees. Uh, as far as pine. So again, a lot of people don't want to rise above that. Most people are content with that. They go so far and they get comfortable in life and they start coasting. People start coasting. Um, they, they let habit take over, I guess we could say. No, we could say tonight, no real internal challenge. A lot of people are trapped in that. I don't have really any internal challenge to go any further in life and to be motivated. Reaching that dream, if you will. So I ask you the question tonight, what about, now we're talking about workforce and jobs and, and things in, in your life and my life. What about Christians? What about Christianity? Um, do we see the need? Now, I want you to be serious with yourself tonight, and you, you, you evaluate yourself as I evaluate myself. Do we see the need to go beyond mediocrity in our lives? Do we see a need to do that? Do we see the need for a more and, and, and more spiritual growth? Or are we okay with just being medium? You think about that. Maybe privately as you sit there, grade yourself. Am I, am I just medium? Or am I even medium? In my desire to grow and meet the challenge of rising above just being mediocre. And I guess the next question we need to ask is if we are okay with that, is that going to be enough to get us to heaven? What's the life of a Christian? Should be we should challenge ourselves, shouldn't we? Should we not continue to grow? Scripture says so. Scripture says so. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Should we not continue to increase our talents? Some of you right now, I'm seeing you up here saying prayers. Brother Allen, I'm going to embarrass you. He said a prayer up here several months ago, and I was like, you don't ever hear say Alan say a whole lot, but I'm going to tell you what, he says one of the most meek prayers that many of us do. But I was sitting there thinking, I was like, man, you don't ever hear him say nothing, but I'm going to tell you what, he can, 
he, he said, I remember Fred Prayer and these young boys we see up here. I'm like, wow, where'd that come from? I think it's really neat when Brother Jimmy and you got three generations up there. One of your grandboys and Michael and you and all. I'm like, man, that's a whole family up there on one side of the Lord's Supper table. Uh, so, you know, many of you experienced that. Corey and his young boy and, and uh, those types of things. And many of you see that. Um, but are we going? do we need to accept the challenge to become more than just mediocre? Do we feel it? Do we feel it's too much trouble? Now think about this seriously. Do you feel like it's too much trouble to keep growing? What's holding you back? What's holding you back from getting yourself, your wife, and your children prepared to serve as a deacon or an elder? Are you just satisfied being mediocre? What's holding you back from getting yourself prepared to teach a Bible class? What's holding you back? Some of you have stepped out of your circles. Some of you have stepped out of your comfort zones. I see it. But the question is, the challenge is to rise above that. Just how would our lives be characterized tonight? How would you characterize your life tonight? Dead, mediocre, or zealous? If you had to choose one of those three, how would you choose your life right now spiritually in Christianity, where you are spiritually growing or not growing, or whether you, where you are in talents or using your talents? Are you dead? Mediocre, or are you zealous? What's the Bible, what does Scripture say we need to be? What? Oh, you're awful quiet on that. Zealous. We need to be what? Eager. We should be asking, what can I do? What can I do to improve myself? Now, again, we've got to be qualified to get up and lead in this congregation. If we are not qualified, if we're not living and we're not or living like we should, if we're not faithful, if we're not doing these now, ain't nobody perfect, and I'm not saying that. But the early church laid that law down, didn't it? Our Lord. You see, somewhere along the line we have lost the this thought. Now think about it. We've lost this thought that it's an honor and it's a privilege to get up here and wait on this table, to get up here and speak, pray, read scripture, lead singing. It's an honor. It's an honor for you and for me. It's an honor. Every time I step on that pulpit to preach a, a gospel sermon, it's an honor. It's an honor. And somewhere along the line, we never developed that or we lost that. It's an honor for these kids to want you to teach their class. It's an honor for you to go and say, I want to teach your class. Because if our kids see you as not interested in them, what do they usually do? 
What do you do? Fall away. There you go. You got it. Fall away. If you're not interested in me, why do I keep doing this? So, again, moving right along. Our Lord had a lot to say about that. You go to the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verses 15, 16 through 19. What church is that? Laodicea. What does our Lord say, or as John writes there, what does he say? And our Lord says, I know thy works. That's right. Neither cold nor hot. Now, what's that a comparison to? We like, uh, anybody like hot tea? Anybody like cold tea? Well, we can't use that one. What about coffee? Water. You don't like hot water? water. You don't like hot water? Yeah. It doesn't meet the need, does it? When we're hot and thirsty, do we go get hot water or warm water? No. (laughs) We get cool water, don't we? It satisfies. But now our Lord goes, and it goes on right here, and John writes, he says, So then because that thou art what? Lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be what? Zealous. There it is right there. He's talking to a church. If, 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 if they were speaking to McCoynsville Church of Christ tonight, would, could, they write that, could they, would they write that about us? You need to be zealous. Now notice what it goes on. He says, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and what? Repent. The Lord wants us to be hot. He wants us to be zealous. He wants us to be boiling over for Him. Okay? Now, I'm still in the introduction. I ain't got to number one yet. I'm getting there. The Lord wants you and I to see the great potential in our lives. Now, listen to me. He wants you to see the great potential that you have in your life to serve Him. That's what He wants you to see. I see it in a lot of you. But the problem is some folks don't see it in their self. Some of you have co-teached. That's where you started. You started co-teaching with somebody. And now you feel comfortable enough to go teach by yourself. See where you come from? That's what we're talking about. That's where you start. You say, hey, can I help you teach? Because I want to learn how to do that. But he says, be zealous, be boiling over. He's, uh, he wants to see that great potential. And he wants, wants us to realize what we're capable of doing and, and doing far more than we give ourselves credit for. We don't give ourselves credit enough, personally. Sometimes I'm, I, there's nobody harder on me than who you think. Huh? Than me. There's nobody harder on Matthew than me. Nobody. I take and slice it. I take and slice it again. I take and wash it off and look at it again and say, man, you really didn't do that sermon justice. But then someone comes out and says, well, that's one of the greatest ones I ever heard you preach. And I hadn't learned how to take that yet. People come out and say, well, that's the best sermon I've ever heard you preach. I'm like, well, what all the other ones match up to? I know what they mean. I'm just messing with you. My brother Jimmy was saying Sunday <laughs> about that story he was telling. Um, so, so again, we need to be challenged to climb to a higher ground. 
Number one, the Lord has not left us without encouragement to this matter, this end. Our Lord did not and does not call us to do something that he gives us no help. We all need help to live life to its fullest. We all need, and when we think that we don't need help, that's dangerous stuff. We all need help. I need that woman sitting right over there. She needs me. That's what marriage is about. Still in our in our in our wedding vows, and in the day we marry, I promise you, I'm going to help you get to heaven, Amanda. Matthew, I promise you, I'm going to help you get to heaven. You see, that's what you got to look for when you're looking for, well, you, ain't, you almost got all married, but these young people. Is that what, is that what Wayne, you, you're shaking your head, okay. All right. If y'all ain't ever went by Wayne's house, he's always got something going. I've seen trucks and, and stuff sitting out there. I'm like, what is he doing now? <laughs> he's always got something going on. Always. But Jesus doesn't call us and he doesn't give us any help. We get help from one another, from close loved ones. Most of all, all of our help we know comes from who? God, exactly right. Christians, we as Christians right here at McCoinsville are without excuse. What do I mean when I say that? We are without excuse in having a defeated attitude. You have no, we got a lot of talented people here. We, we have a lot of talented people. And we have no excuse for growing. We have no excuse. Now, we can wallow in it and say, oh, poor me. And we can find all excuses in the world. <laughs> but literally, we have no excuse. No excuse. We should make heaven... We have every reason for success, and we should make heaven without a question about it. You and I, our Lord expects us to be faithful servants, and God's provided the help we need. There's scriptures that state this. The book of Ephesians, you sit on your outline, chapter 3, verse 20. You may have already looked at it. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, exceeding what? Abundantly, above, what's that word? All that we ask or think. Everything that we ask in him and we ask in the right way, he he's, has the ability to do it exceedingly above all of that, all those things. Are you asking God to help you grow? Are you asking him to help you? That's the question. God's power is, is, is now I'm going to tell you how, how we limit God. Now watch this real quick. And my time is flying by. Man. God's power is limited. Now watch this. By our lack of faith and get this, submission to him. It's unlimited. He says, I can bless you abundantly over all, everything. I can give you everything you need. But we limit God 
through our lack of faith and our, now the key right there is submission to him. Now watch this. I hope you write these down. Unless we desire knowledge, he cannot enlighten us. Unless we desire purity, he cannot purify us. Unless we desire pardon, he cannot pardon us. Unless we desire spiritual strength and growth, he cannot strengthen us and grow us. Our willingness, or unwillingness rather, can limit the power of God in our lives. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says, I can do what? All things. He's not saying I will bless you above all. Now he's saying in Philippians 4 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He provides that strength to meet these challenges. Limitations are removed. We no longer have to live in that valley of mediocrity. But rather we can live in great zealousness. Seeking him and meeting that challenge. We don't have to live in the past. Paul wrote about that in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, didn't he? He looked forward to those things. but He didn't look in the past. If I look in my past, my past is going to what? Most of the time holds you back. Now we can learn from our past, don't get me wrong. But most of the time it will be a hindrance to us if we focus too much on our past. Now if there are things in our past that we need repented of, we need to take care of that. That's what Paul's saying. Point number two, Jesus does not call us to something he does not prepare us for. So not only does he... He, he, he has not left us without encouragement to this matter of rising above that. But he, he does not call us to do something he does not prepare, prepare us for. God wants us to be vibrant. He wants us to be faithful. He wants us to be zealous for him. He wants us to put everything else aside and put him first. That's what he wants. And I'm talking about everything. Not just some things. Everything. He doesn't expect the impossible, but the possible. He provides that motive, motivation within and without. He provides the power that we need, prepares us for the task ahead. But one might say, how does he prepare us for these things? Now watch it in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. By reminding us who we are. John chapter, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1 says, We are the sons of God. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 refers to us as what? A chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A peculiar people. Hey, we're different. We should be. We should be. 
He continuously throughout Scripture and the Scriptures that I've given you reminds us of who we are. How does He prepare us for these tasks? By constantly reminding us of why He has redeemed us. Lord's willing, Sunday morning, we're going to look at the second mile. I preached the second mile sermon here about seven years ago. And I'm bringing it back around in a new light. Oh, I see little heads. How does he prepare us for these tasks? By reminding us that he does not give us a job beyond what we can do. Matthew 25, 15. The talents there. He gave the five talents. And you've got the rest of the scriptures there with you. In conclusion, God calls us to be zealous living, not mediocre. Notice this quote. The fire of enthusiasm. Now, you listen to this individually. The fire of enthusiasm won't burn forever. It's not going to burn forever unless you throw some fresh logs upon the fire to feed it. That's what it boils down to. God calls us to be zealous. He's our source of power. And I guess the question we need to ask ourselves as we end tonight, have we answered that call? Are you doing all you can do for the Lord? In the service here and in your personal life?